connected to Calgary sports like nobody else. This is the Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The left wing side. Buck is brought out to center. Jets have a two-on-one here. It's centered in front, and Little scores! Josh Morrissey ties the game late in the third. Brian Little wins it with a minute 56 to go in overtime. The final score at the 2019 Tim Hortons Heritage Classic. The Winnipeg Jets 2, the Calgary Flames 1 in overtime. That was a really fun game on Saturday night. Yes, a bit of a stinger from a Calgary Flames standpoint. They were less than five minutes away from two points in a second straight Heritage Classic shutout, and that turned in a hurry. Josh Morrissey with less than five minutes to go, ties it on the power play. Sean Monaghan takes a bad penalty. Flames actually kill that penalty off. Then a complete brain fart on the overtime winner. I'm, I'm still not exactly sure what Derek Ryan was thinking. Not quite sure why Kachuk was so lax on that back check. And I don't know why the desperation flop from TJ Brody. Just as a whole, all three guys on the ice, complete and utter brain fart for the Flames in overtime. But doesn't take away that that was a pretty evenly played game. I think it probably deserved overtime. I think the conditions took away any advantage either team might have had in that game. When it was all said and done, you know, yes, the conditions played a part. And yes, the it, it wasn't your typical regular season game because it was snowing, it was windy, and it was tough to get as much done as you usually would indoors. But it was fun. The spectacle was amazing. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, Will, there have been many times where the actual game itself on the ice doesn't necessarily provide a ton of entertainment and that outdoor game is more about the actual spectacle and more about the novelty of playing outside and all the lead up. I didn't get that feeling. And maybe it was because I was there, but I didn't get that feeling. Like I was there in 2011 and that was not a very entertaining hockey game. That, that four, nothing win for Calgary over Montreal. That was a pretty bad hockey game and the ice conditions, the overall weather conditions played into it. I didn't, I didn't feel that way about Saturday. I thought it was a really well-played game considering, very even, and despite only three goals scored, I thought it was pretty darn entertaining. I, I think it's probably part in in part, sorry, because you were there. I, I, I did not feel didn't get that, the same feel watching nah, TV. No, nah, it was it was it was sloppy. It was um you know, the snow obviously had some complications for skilled players trying to do what they wanted to do. I didn't feel like it was overly entertaining myself. I thought the obviously the spectacle was was beautiful. The snowfall it was very majestic, but I, I just I, I couldn't sit there and find myself like I don't want to go home and watch the game again. Like it was not it was not that entertaining from from that perspective. And and obviously I think it's different when you're there. Um, but it was fine. I just I'm not sitting here going. Man, remember that 2019 Heritage Classic? It was unbelievable. Like, I'm not going to find myself doing that in three weeks' time. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, no, it's just another fair. just another Saturday night, and this one happened to be outdoors. Uh, but a two-one overtime loss. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was the most entertaining game in the world. The, the most intriguing part, and I know you're going to get there in a second. To me, um, was the line combinations, and it was unfortunate you didn't get a great look at it due to the conditions, but. 
Um, I, I found myself more focused on that than the you know being so involved in an entertaining hockey game. It wasn't it wasn't fabulous for me. What uh, what did you make of the uh, the overtime winner? Like I, I'm I'm still like Derek Ryan must have thought he was playing four on four at the time when it's you're exactly, watching that. It's exactly what happened. Yeah, and and at the time when I'm watching that game, I'm like. What is? How are they getting a two-on-one so easily? And then, then it's over, and then you're starting the post-game show. You don't really get a look at the replay. So I only saw it live from you know quite a distance away. When you go back and you watch, like I did yesterday, and and watch how the game played out, like so he must have been thinking it was four-on-four. Four. I actually think that Kachuk was making the right play because you want to make sure that you're shadowing the 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 high guy on a three-on-three three situation, but. Once there was recognition that, oh boy, there's a two-on-one, it was pretty lax back check from him. And then TJ Brody pulls the sprawl, which I don't think he needed to do in, in that play either. It was just, a, it was just an all-round brain cramp from two of the three guys on the ice anyway, especially those two, Ryan and Brody. Yeah, I just think it was a bit of a brain fart, and I think the one guy forgot what the situation was. So, uh, unfortunate ended that way because uh, Riddick played unbelievable in that game. But uh, forty three saves. I think that's probably what, and I, I think last check that's a regular season record for outdoor hockey. So, and had the Flames been able to hold on to that win, it would have been their second straight Heritage Classic shutout. Um, and also it would have been Riddick would have become just the fifth goalie to ever record a shutout in a Heritage Classic game. But instead, late power play, Geo takes the penalty. The Jets had been pushing all period. They had really turned the momentum. You could kind of feel it coming. Morrissey wires it. A little bit of a screen in front for Riddick. And then, obviously, we just talked about what happened in overtime. So the 2019 Heritage Classic is in the books. I do got to say, a heck of a job by the city of Regina. We, um... We like to poke fun at Regina. We like to poke fun at the song. We like to, um, you know, make fun of the inhabitants, so on and so forth. And that's just, and that's a Stampeders, Riders thing. But I'll say this much. That is a city where the inhabitants are fiercely proud of their town. That is a hell of a sports city. Uh, and they put on a great show. They they really did, uh, and not just at Mosaic, which, by the way, Will, is a ridiculous facility, better than I even thought it was going to be, a straight-up jewel in the middle of the prairies, but I just wanted to tip my hat to the city of Regina, the people of Regina, and that was cool. It was really cool, and they did a great job making that a big deal over the weekend. So how much is the boss paying you to say that? You know what? I, it, I, I really... I was actually surprised that Kirsch didn't show up. Like, I, I thought for sure... Well, I, I asked him that. He said he didn't want to go on the trip and work. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, if I was going to go, I would be, you know, I wanted to be all in the celebration. I didn't want to be working. Why so. couldn't he have? Why couldn't he have made that happen? Well, he would have put himself on the air. We know how this works, oh, right? <laughs> no, he would never have done that. What are you talking about? Huh. I just think that's how it would have played out. He would have been doing that live show Saturday with Ryan Pinder. He didn't want to do that. Left it to you. Yeah, was uh, a he long did. Day. He did apologize that um, the nightlife in Regina not anywhere like Vegas or Nashville. So he was trying to maybe see. It wasn't it. bad. I ended up at. Uh, we tried to go to the Fat Badger. On uh, sound on Saturday night across the street, we went to O'Hanlon's instead, and it was it was pretty jammed. Um, yeah, it was sleepy downtown. I'll, I'll give it that. But 
Um, Did you get the same Uber driver at all? Or uh, So Pinder got the same Uber driver thrice, and I got him once. His name was MD, and all in all combined, Pinder and I got him four times. I was stunned that Regina had Uber. Vancouver doesn't have Uber. Regina does. A little bit of a discrepancy in populations. Yeah, but Vancouver thinks they're the coolest city in the world. That's what I was going to say. Another Another reason why Regina is better than Vancouver. Um, I was. Uh, it was a really. It was a really cool weekend. Good on the town. Couple of texts. Nine six zero. Suck it, Luke. Read that top one, please. Uh, I sat for hours in that frigid cold. The one time I get up to get some hot chocolate, I missed the Flames goal. Worst heritage classic ever. Well, don't be a softy, Luke. Maybe Stay you in should your wait seat. till the intermission like, or a that's commercial. A dumb decision on your Luke, part. You deserve that. I. Uh, I, I want to go way back. This would have been draft 2010. Uh, Kerr, Boomer, Dan Tenser in Edmonton. Dust off your rearview mirrors, Oilers fans. Uh, but Dan Tenser in Edmonton and myself, we all went to an Anaheim Angels game. Uh, they were playing. I don't know who the hell they were playing. But the, the game, it was one of the most boring baseball games of all time. The only time that I left my seat was to go get a beer or something, and it was the one meaningful hit of the game, and it was a grand slam, and I missed it. I was devastated. Uh, that was the only thing that I missed in one of the worst baseball games ever. So I, uh, I feel your pain, Luke, but I don't sympathize. Sit your butt in the chair, be cold, and go get, go get hot chocolate at the intermission. Um, also, now, hot chocolate? Beer? Uh, Hot chocolate, beer. Yeah, you probably should have gone beer. Thank you. It did look like it was empty at different times, but that was a legit sellout. The only reason it looked like there were a lot of empty seats in the third period specifically, uh, a lot of people went and watched from the concourse because the concourse is big. You have a great view of the playing surface still. So a lot of people went to the warmer concourse. There's heaters and watch from there. So that's why it looked like it wasn't a sellout. But when the puck dropped and for the first period or so, that was a legit sellout visually. And it still was a legit sellout period. Um, Wedley writes, Luke is the guy who leaves a game, game early to get the certain seat. The C-train seat, rather. Um, stay in your seat and get Uber Eats problem solved. Uh, somebody goes, you left with the bases loaded, huh? No, I didn't. When I left, they had walked a runner to first and I believe they walked another runner. It was not like, it's not like we were talking about me. Oh, bases loaded. Good time to go get a beer. Uh, it kind of just went that way. Um, what else we got here? I felt the first 40 minutes were good, but the last 20 minutes plus overtime wasn't great. Also was great. Finally meeting you, Pat. That comes from Noah. He was one of the guys on our trip to Regina. Awesome to meet you, Noah. That was awesome. Uh, watching on TV, I didn't find the actual game action to be that great, but many a boring game has been played over the years at the Dome, too. It's just fun watching your team get to be in one of those games. Um, my question is, why were Ryan and Brody on the ice for three-on-three? Three? And there you go. There's a few of the techs at 960-960. Let's get into it. You mentioned it, and I'm with you. I liked Elias Lindholm at center on Saturday. It wasn't the greatest evaluation tool knowing the game itself. But he's going to be at center again tomorrow, at least to start when the Flames host, uh, rather visit the Carolina Hurricanes. And and I honestly think this is something that we're going to see for a little bit here. Now is the time to experiment with this. Now is the time to give this a bit of an extended run. And I like it. I liked what I saw. I thought Lindholm 
was impressive. He was a positive possession player. That line with him, Gaudreau, and Kachuk was Calgary's most dangerous all game long. Like, I really like Lindholm at center, and I want to keep seeing that. I'm not saying that we need to see that for the rest of the season, but an extended run here, I I think that it is warranted, and I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out. Uh, Me too, and I I I think we were so... Not hesitant, but we were not really believing this was ever going to happen. And we were not uh, sure that Bill Peters was going to make this move, even though he's talked about it for a long, long time. And I felt this is the perfect time in the schedule. You got some practice days on this road trip. You were playing a game that was unique outdoors. Uh, It's unfortunate that, like I mentioned, you can't get a great look at these lines because of the conditions and the flow just wasn't the same. But um, I, I like this, and I think this is a team that badly needs some sort of spark. I don't think they're playing great hockey, Pat. Um, despite their you know six five and two record, they need a bit of a shot of the arm, and and I think this is something that can do that for them. And and I'll be curious how long Bill Peters lets this kind of marinate or lets this be a thing. It was obviously the same today in practice. Um, I would expect through the road trip for sure, if not longer. Um, you go back to Lindholm's comments to us, and then obviously Bill Peters' comments publicly. You know, I want to do this for 10 to 12 games if we ever make that switch. So I, I think we're going to see this for, for quite some time. I hope we do. Um, and I do love the look of that top line right now. And I think it's a, a good way to get a bunch of people going and kind of just help everybody else in your lineup slot a little bit better down the line, especially down the middle. Well, and I think that a big, and I wrote about this at Flames Nation today, I think what determines whether or not this is a longer-term thing is not so much Lindholm. Obviously, he plays a part in it, but Sean Monaghan, I think, determines this. Right now, Monaghan has been split from Johnny Gaudreau, and that is something we have not seen very often in their five-plus seasons together. And so, or I guess four-plus seasons together. So, Monaghan in the past and prior time, albeit limited, without Gaudreau when they have been split apart temporarily or when Gaudreau has been hurt, the numbers would suggest and the evidence would suggest that Monaghan has not been able to drive a line without Gaudreau on his flank. If Monaghan is able to do that and if he can prove himself, it's it's not all that dissimilar to the Leon Dreisaitl conversation, albeit you know, Dreisaitl has proven to be a higher-end producer. But if Monaghan is not able to drive a line without Gaudreau on it, then I think that they revert back to Monaghan, Gaudreau, Lindholm. If Monaghan can, and he can be effective with line mates like Manjapani and Bennett or whoever they end up putting him with, that's how we see this being a longer-term thing. I really think it comes down to as much, if not more, about Monaghan, Will, than it does about how Elias Lindholm plays. Because if you're going to make Lindholm as your center and play him with Kachuk and Gaudreau, I think he's going to have success. I think he's going to be just fine there. Can Monaghan do it in a different situation where he's not necessarily rolling with Gaudreau as his linemate? And I think this probably, to that note, Pat, probably answers some questions that we want to know answers to about Monaghan too, right? I mean, what what really is he as a centerman? And and I, I think you're 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 right. I don't want to say he's been... You know, carried by Gaudreau, but a lot of his goals have come within five feet of the crease, and and they're you know essential tap ins courtesy Johnny Gaudreau. And yes, not that's not all true. I, I understand that, but um, can Monahan be productive? And I know he scored twenty plus as a rookie without even Gaudreau on the team, so I, I think he can mm-hmm. be. 
But what can Monaghan provide you as a second-line center, and, and can this be something long-term? And if it does work out long-term, I think if you're Brad Living, you love it because it just gives you so many different options and uh, yet continues to add to your depth that you've got on this team right now. So I think all fingers crossed inside the Flames, you know, four walls of the front office, four walls of the coach's room, four walls of the locker room, they're all hoping this does work. But we're going to have to get a long period to, to look at it, too. And I think that's what we all yep. need to understand. It's like, yep. okay, it might not immediately quit, click. Let's let's not forget that Gaudreau and Monaghan played together for four and a half, five years. But can this be something that's sustainable long-term? If it is, if it is, I think it's very beneficial for the Calgary Flames. And look, I, I think there's the potential. And this is, we've, we've seen it for one game, but... I also really liked what we saw from Backlund, Frolik, and Lucic. I think Milan Lucic in that role is exactly the way he needs to be used. And that is in a defensive role, in a shutdown role, in a scenario where he's not going to be counted on to create offense. He's not going to be counted on to be a big-time puck carrier or puck mover. Make smart, savvy plays in the defensive zone. Be smart positionally and limit other teams' top players. Where does Lucic lack the most right now? Foot speed. What role as a forward does foot speed play in least? That would be a defensively oriented shutdown role where you're not at being asked to stretch the ice. And so I think that type of role with two players who are very good at playing a similar role is exactly where Lucic fits best because there are two areas. Look, there's no doubt about it. Nobody's going to sit here and deny that Lucic has some pretty significant limitations in his game right now. His foot speed is probably in the lower end of NHL forwards right now. And I think the pace of the game can sometimes be a little too fast for him. Not just the skating side of things, but overall, his brain is still very high end. And he still thinks the game at a high end speed. But sometimes the brain is thinking it quicker than what the body is able to follow through on. So as a result, you can see sometimes some mistakes made for for that main reason. That isn't necessarily the case when you're playing in the type of role Lucic is going to be in here for however long it lasts with Backlund and Froelich. And, and I just feel like you can make those smart, savvy plays and you can use your high intelligence in a more defensively shut, defensive shutdown role. And, and I really think if you want to get the most out of Lucic and limit the areas where he lacks, this is the best place to use him. Yeah, and we'll see how long they uh, they use this stuff and, and to, to stay with these lines because I hope it does uh, last quite a bit. And I, as I mentioned, if it, if it does all work out, I think it's beneficial for the players. Uh, Tobias Reader is on waivers this morning, which I don't know if I expected when I wake, woke up. Uh, and, and this is an interesting move. I'm curious to see what happens if slash when he clears tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. If Reader clears, then I'm not necessarily expecting him to go down to the American League right away. I don't think he goes anywhere myself. I, I think this is more of a flexibility play. And what I mean by that is, once he clears waivers, the Flames then have 30 days to keep him on the NHL roster where he doesn't need to clear to go down. And so by doing that, the and they, they right now have that flexibility for, I want to say, another 21 days or so with Alan Quine. What that does is allows you to make moves, A, if you need a shuffle, or B, if all of a sudden injuries play into it, right? So by doing this, let's say that 
something happens and, and you feel like you need uh, to plug in somebody, a, a couple of players from the American League where Reader doesn't necessarily fit. Well, you can send him down and bring up other players to help in that mix. Or let's just say that things continue to be a little bit of a struggle fit-wise for the Flames and Bill Peters still isn't loving exactly what he's seeing. Ten days from now, Reader can go down, Dubé can come up, or somebody else can come up. I know Dubé's the first guy that comes to mind. Somebody else can come up and and be in that position. So that's that's what I'm watching for, and that's the area that I think having the flexibility helps with most. I'm not this is not I don't feel like necessarily an immediate move. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe tomorrow at 1030 we find out that uh, Reader down Dubé up. But it would not shock me one bit if Reader's on the ice for morning skate tomorrow in, in Carolina. Yeah, I don't expect him to go anywhere. We talked to Lou about it. Uh, very similar thoughts to you in terms of roster flexibility. Uh, Lou's not anticipating him going anywhere, at least until the road trip is over. Um, so we'll see what the, the Flames do here moving forward. But yes, I think the 30-day timeline is just something they wanted to um, exercise now. And uh, I would expect him for A, to clear, and B, to be with the team tomorrow in Carolina. What do we uh, expect? I actually expect him to play tomorrow against the Hurricanes. I would, honest. too. I, I, I'm not really expecting things to be much different from a Lions perspective than what we saw Saturday against the Jets. Uh, they went with Manjapani, Jankowski, Ryan as a line. Quine was with Monaghan and Bennett. May, maybe they go that way, but I don't know. Um, look, not, I feel not sure like, if you saw the lines from practice today, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Manjapani, Jankowski, Ryan as a line. Ryan on the right, Jankowski in the middle. Of course, Jankowski healthy, scratched for the Heritage Classic. Quine with Monaghan and Bennett, which interesting. I think would be the political way to say that. I like Quine. I don't know if that's the spot where I think he thrives the most. Um, but yeah, I, I here's where I am on Reader. He's been just fine in the role that he's been asked to play. Like he is a fourth line winger who kills penalties well. And that's the role he's been used in. And I think he's been fine in that role. He has not moved the needle. He has minimal offensive upside at best. A lot of times he skates fast, but is kept to the perimeter. But he hasn't hurt the team. And he has filled his role as a fourth line player just well. And I guess it comes down to, do you want a player like Dubé playing nine minutes a night in the NHL? Or do you want a guy like Reeder who's older and is in a situation where development doesn't matter? Do you want him in that role? That's what it comes down to from an organizational perspective for Calgary, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I said from the very beginning, and that's why you know, we had a group text this morning, and the first thing Ryan Pinder said was, Dubé time? Like, I, I don't understand why you'd bring him up to play nine minutes a night or sit in the press box. Let Dubé marinate. Let him play every situation in the American Hockey League. If you want to bring him up at the end of this 30 days with reader on waivers and, and that timeline, then sure. But to me, there's no advantage to having him here right now. I think you let him play 20-plus minutes, continue to get that confidence offensively at the pro hockey level, and let him come up when he's ready. I don't want this team to force that, and and I, I think we've seen other teams and, and even the Flames at times make that mistake. Let Dubé marinate. There is no reason to bring him up right now despite having seven points in seven games to begin his career with the Heat. Hey, he's been good. He's been good in, in Stockton this year, absolutely. Sure. But, you know, I, I don't. 
I don't know if that's just 100% exactly what we're going to see. And maybe it is. Maybe that's exactly what we see tomorrow. But I still feel like Raider is, is, is a fine guy to have as your 12-13 forward right now. Do you want a younger player in the American League being your 12-13? Or would you rather continue going with Reader? But putting waivers, uh, putting Reader on waivers today, assuming he clears tomorrow, gives the team flexibility. And, and I also feel like doing it now before maybe they run into injury issues or something like that, doing it now, um, there's a better chance of him clearing. Whereas if all of a sudden things get desperate, uh, might be more inclined for another team to say, let's claim him to really hoop the flames. So uh, I, I feel like there's a better chance today uh, of him not getting claimed than, ar- than down the road. That argument of uh, doing it just to put somebody else in a bad spot, it- Carries about the same water to me as the uh, offer sheet. Hey, let's do it just to screw this team. Well, and then no we one got we it. got an offer sheet this year. Yeah, but it didn't really screw anybody over, did it? I mean, it was kind of dumb from Mark Bergevin. You get my point. No, I do, but I I also think that there's less risk of doing it now than when you're in a spot sure. where maybe you're a little bit more. But desperate. I don't think anybody. My point is, I don't think anybody ever claims somebody just to screw for that sole over. reason. No. no, I'm with you. But if you're like, ah, oh, we're we're, we could use this player. Ah, we will pass on it. Oh, it could also put another team that we're in the fight with in a bad spot. It might it might tip the scales a little bit. Do I think that anybody ever does it solely to hoop another team? No, I, I certainly don't believe that. I will I will 100% give you that. Uh, we are live in our Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge. And don't forget, tomorrow, as part of Flames warm-up, Calgary and the Carolina Hurricanes will present another iconic moment for you. I give you a uh, I give you a moment from the past. I ask you a trivia question about it. And if you get that trivia question right and you're the first one through, you are entered into our grand prize draw, which is a trip for two to Las Vegas for the NHL Awards in June. It's all brought to you by Iconic Electric and Controls, promoting a culture of quality since 2008. Visit IconicEC.ca. That's coming your way tomorrow between 4 and 5 o'clock as part of Calgary Flames warm-up. Let's delve a little more into Calgary's cap and roster situation. We'll do that in our weekly chat with Ryan Pike of Flames Nation up next. Steinberg Show underway. Happy Monday. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the Steinberg Show. In just seconds, Ryan Pike from FlamesNation.ca. Copies roster situation, why they had to put Zarnik on LTIR, and a whole lot more. The Flames fall 2-1 in overtime in the 2019 Heritage Classic in Regina. They are into Carolina today. They'll take on the Hurricanes in Raleigh tomorrow night. Looking forward to a good game between the Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes. A Hurricanes team... They are legit. These guys are not going anywhere. And if you thought that was a fluke last year, I don't know why Pike's not picking up. Am I giving you the right number? Yeah, um, it's his voicemail. That's interesting. Um, yeah, if you uh, if you thought that the Carolina Hurricanes were going anywhere, uh, you were probably mistaken. One of the best blue lines, if not the deepest back end in hockey. Young, promising forwards. The only area they lack a little bit. Is in that Ryan Pike of FlamesNation.ca joins us now on the Atlas Pizza oh, and no, Sports no, Bar guest hotline. Me. Yeah, come on, Pike. What are we new to the the cell phone? What's happening here? Uh, there's stuff going on, man. There's all kinds of things happening today. What 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 do you got going on? Well, mostly just waiver stuff. Okay, you're just uh, you're just tracking things right now. Well, I guess we can start there. Uh, what did you? Uh, how do you read Tobias Reader? on waivers this morning that uh, was not necessarily something I was expecting to wake up to. Well, I, I think the, the name of the game is just the word flexibility. Uh, 
right now the Flames don't have a heck of a lot of cap space, and right now they're not accumulating any cap space. If, if any of you guys roam to cap friendly right now, you'll see the Flames have $19,000 to work with between now and the end of the season, assuming that they're, you know, dipping into LTIR for the rest of the season. That obviously won't be the case. They're going to, you know, figure out ways to maneuver. But at the very least, this gives the Flames uh, – you know, presuming that Reader uh, clears waivers, it gives them three players now in Quine, Tobias Reader, and Oliver Shillington. They can float up and down from the farm. Uh, so if there's an off day, like say in a day like today when the Flames don't play, maybe they float a couple bodies down to the American League and just ride a little bit light, go down to, you know, roster minimums, but you save $5,000 a day that way. Uh, it could be very helpful. Uh, on the other hand, you know, they, maybe they also want to shake up the roster a bit. They don't really have the ability to bring up guys from the farm to really, you know, uh, give the roster a kick in the butt when they're playing flat. So right now they don't have a lot of flexibility, but, you know, in 24 hours or so, they might have a little bit more. And just to uh, reiterate, and, and you know, it might get redundant for you because we uh, talk about this all the time, but I think it's something that you need to consistently reiterate because the CBA is such an absolute pain in the you-know-where to uh, really wrap your head around. If Reader clears waivers tomorrow and does not get claimed and the Flames opt not to send him to the American League, they might, they might not, but if they opt not to send him immediately to the AHL, what does that mean? How... How long does he have until they would have to expose him to waivers again? Uh, everybody, once you clear waivers, you, you can spend 30 days on the NHL roster until you have to clear waivers again. So in the case of Alan Quine, he cleared waivers at the beginning of October, but then he went down to the farm for a while. So I believe Alan Quine's only used, I think today would be day five of his waiver exemption, whereas, you know, with, uh, with Reader, he would start at zero. So potentially between those two guys, they could get about a month and a half to the better part of two months between them of flexibility in order to send guys up and down. So it could be very valuable for them. Yeah, that's and that is important. Is if you clear waivers and the team opts not to send you to the American League, uh, you have 30 days being on the NHL roster before you would have to be exposed again to go to the American League. And of course, the Flames would be tracking that stuff. They might send him to Stockton tomorrow. They might uh, wait a little bit. That's certainly something to keep an eye on. But I guess it wouldn't shock me one bit if Reader's on the ice for morning skate tomorrow. Wouldn't shock me one bit if he's in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what the Flames opt to do. Uh, if, if they were to, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's down the road, if they were to send him to the American League and bring somebody else up, who would that be? Who's, who are the candidates to get that recall from Stockton? Honestly, uh, there's a lot of them. Stockton's been off to a really, really good start this year. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a shame that they don't get a chance to bring up Artem Zagadulin because he's been uh, very good in his first six uh, American League starts. But uh, on the forward ranks, they have a bunch of guys. Uh, if if the idea is, you know, the Flames don't have a lot of right shot forwards, you could bring up uh, Matthew Matthew Phillips, who's a right shot forward. They could bring up uh, Glenn Godden, who's a right shot forward. Both of those guys can play center. Godden is playing much more center than Phillips has at the American League level, but Phillips can do it. He just doesn't do it as often. Uh, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Dylan Dubé. If, if the idea is you're thinking of, okay, you want to get a chance to get Dubé in, get him some penalty killing time, get him, you know, help him carve out a role, and even even just bring up someone like Dubé so that uh, the the uh, the incumbents sort of hear footsteps behind them and get a little bit uh, uncomfortable because you know the challenge this year is they haven't really had the ability to make 
their you know reliable incumbent roster players feel uncomfortable. It seems at times potentially these guys have been feeling a little bit too comfortable. Uh, beyond uh, Dubé, you know, there, there's a lot of different interesting names. Uh, the captain down there, Brian, Byron Fraze, uh, is a point per game player. He's a little bit older. He might not have the upside, but he's a guy who's really reliable, and that's why they, he was given the C down there. So, uh, yeah, just off the top of my head, about five or six guys who could be pretty good players to slot in at a moment's notice. And just finally, I, I feel like Reader has filled his role exactly how I thought he would. He's being asked to be a fourth-line winger to provide speed to that fourth line, which is important in the way Calgary is structured, and to be an effective penalty killer. And I would suggest that he has filled his role. He doesn't move the needle. He's got minimal offensive upside. But for what he's been asked to do, to be a you know seven to ten minute a night forward, I think he's done it just fine. I've had no problems with Reader, but I also understand he is what he is. This is not a guy that's going to really push you forward in any way. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. And I, and I think when, you know, when we saw that he was signed uh, the day before the season started, I think you and I probably had this conversation either on air or off air, just the idea of, well, you know, he's, he's a league minimum guy. He'll be playing, you know, eight, ten minutes a night, depending. You know, the Flames have been chasing a lot in games, so that means they usually shorten the, the, the bench and only get three lines in, which means – you know, Toby Reader hasn't really had a chance to really be exceptionally good or exceptionally bad because he really hasn't had a lot of time to do a heck of a lot. Uh, and in that case, you know, since he hasn't really stood out positively or negatively in that role, maybe they want to give him a chance to get some get some games under his belt at the American League level and really get the confidence going before he comes back up. Or maybe they just want the waiver flexibility. So uh, there's a lot of different things I could see, but it, it, you know, when you signed, it was a very low risk proposition because the worst case scenario might have been something like this, where you know he doesn't really move the needle one way or the other, and they get a chance to sort of float him up and down if they need to. Ryan Pike from Flames Nation with us on the Steinberg Show this afternoon. Um, on Friday, we found out, and and we weren't really expecting this either. Austin Zarnick out long term. Bill Peters would update that. Lower body out until Christmas. Significant injury is what we're talking about with Zarnik. So Zarnik to LTIR. Now the Flames had been actively trying to avoid using long-term injury reserve in the early parts of the season, but they decided to do it on Friday with Zarnik. How come? Why was that the impetus to dip into, as you call it, the LTIR piggy bank? Oh, the short answer is because they, they couldn't really put together a uh, an NHL roster without it. Uh, you know, it, it, they were, I believe, they had something like one hundred and fifty six, hundred fifty five thousand dollars in capital. It was one fifty four. Yeah, just, just, I think, just like maybe like five bucks below one fifty five. It was a minuscule amount of money, and so you know, there's, they would have been, they couldn't bring up uh, an extra forward and be, and still be cap compliant. So they essentially had to smash over the piggy bank to do it. Um, for the time being, it means that on a daily basis, they're not accruing any cap savings, despite the fact that they're that they're below their uh, their LTIR ceiling. Uh, I think they have some like three hundred and sixty thousand dollars or so that they're not using, but because it's LTIR and it's not real cap space, they don't gain anything. So I think uh, they really needed to do it in order to play the games and you know figure things out short term. But uh, it'll get them through to Christmas. But I think they they want to. I think what the move we saw today is perhaps a bit of a CDA gamesmanship from that group, trying to figure out ways they can you know adhere to the spirit of the agreements while figuring out ways to wriggle around them and save pennies here or there. Yeah, the spirit of the agreement. I like that. Um, and and somebody had asked, and I I I I think I did a decent job of explaining it. But again, you'll do better. Uh, why go LTIR with Zarnik but not Valimaki? 
the short answer is uh, typically with LTIR, it's similar in mechanism to the way it works for uh, – I believe it's similar to how it works for emergency recalls where it's tied to a particular player. But also the, the longer answer is, well – it's more cap space. Uh, the the cap hit for uh, Zarnik is 1.25 million. The cap hit for uh, Alamaki is only 894,000. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it for the larger number. And once, like, I, I don't believe, like, if a guy is on LTIR, you can't then take him off if he's not ready to return. Is that right? I think you can float guys between LTIR and regular IR, but it's essentially just a paperwork thing. And I, I'm going to have to check in that particular wording of the CBA because, you know, effectively uh, you're only really dinged by the league when you use the cap space. So if you're not using the cap space, I don't really think there's any kind of penalty to, to, for dipping below and then dipping back up. So uh, I guess we'll probably learn that in the next couple of days to see if the Flames, uh, you know, use that gamesmanship to see if they can, you know, flip Sarnik on and off LTIR depending on if they need the cap space. It is a and, – and the worst thing about LTIR is that it's not – really defined all that well in the cba is it oh no it's it's part of like one of the half dozen things that uh, you know make the folks at uh, puckpedia and cap friendly and all the other cap sites just sort of make their hair go gray because you know there's there's so many things about it that are sort of weirdly defined and dependent on people interpreting a particular word a particular way and yeah and it's kind of like a every day we're learning a little bit more about long-term injury reserve i would love to one day sit down with whether it's brad Trilliving or somebody else and just like okay like, what is it? How does it work? Why is it so complicated? Uh, the whole thing is, is and the whole NHL cap situation is uh, more complicated. What we should do one of these games is just corner Chris Snow again to explain it. Because every time I talk to someone around the team, they go, talk Snow, to Snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just a couple more with Ryan Pike, Flames Nation. First of all, your thoughts on the Heritage Classic from afar. Oh, my God. It was so gorgeous on TV. I think, uh, you know, it came across really well. It seems like the city of Regina did a heck of a job with it. I had a couple friends uh, who were in the crowd with uh, with their son. They, you know, outside of the wind, they said it was picturesque and perfect. So uh, the things that could be controlled were pretty controlled. Uh, and, and honestly, I think uh, for a Flames group that has been criticized, and I think rightly so, for being a bit too fancy at times, I think it forced them to simplify their game. And I think they got they were unlucky to get the result they they ended up getting because I think they played a very smart, direct, simple game. And I think that bodes well heading on uh, what's tied to be their uh, longest road trip of the season. Okay. And your feel on Lindholm at center. I liked him. I think, uh, I don't think he had amazing face-off results, but that's against the Jets team that has some pretty tough customers up at the face-off dot. But you know, I think he gives you a different look. And I think, you know, if you look at sort of how the lines were composed now, you know, it's not up to Lindholm to be sort of the, the gritty of the three guys on the ice. Uh, you know, if you have Kachuk on your wing, you don't really need to, you know, punch a guy in the face on, on shifts as often. And if you look at sort of how they can, comp- you know, comprise a lot of the lines, you know, Lucic is on a separate line, Bennett's on a separate line, you know, they've sort of spread out that sort of, you know, FU element throughout the lineup. And I think, you know, one of the things the Flames were bad at was winning battles. And I think having those guys who give that extra 5% in the corners could be beneficial. Mr. Pike, thank you as always. We will talk again next week. Enjoy your week. And uh, thank you as always for all the clarifications. Take care.
He's uh, Ryan Pike of FlamesNation.ca. Joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports, uh, Sports Bar Guest Hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. I think next we got to work on Pike's goodbyes, hey? That's uh, it's always... I'm just trying to find it here. I wonder if it's still in there because I was thinking about it too because Will went in and made a little bit of a, a quick montage of interesting Ryan Pike there. goodbyes. It might be it might be gone by it's now. gone. But um, always very quick and to the point. No, uh, no need for friendly salutations at the end. Just we kid Pike. We're just giving you a hard time. And uh, also, we should teach him how to learn brick cell phones. He was keeping up on a couple things. I'll give him. I'll give him the benefit cool. of the doubt on that one. <laughs> cool. See you, bud. So quick, like out of here. Yep. Take That's, care. Uh, point five of a second. Yep, cool. Like, see you, bud. No need for a. Hey, Pike. Thanks so much. Uh, great having you on, and we'll talk to you soon. Cool. See you, bud. <laughs> We love you, Pike. Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on The Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Monsieur Nault, what do we have today? Ryan Pinder's in the house, so I will uh, ask you both this exact same question All to kick off three right. burning questions today. All right. Not a yes or no question. That's why I'm asking both of you. Um, Favorite experience in Regina this weekend? Uh, Mine for sure. And this is no knock on what happened on Saturday. But when I walked into Mosaic Stadium on Friday night and lights were down and you got to see the practice and for the first time see what that setup is going to look like, being part of rehearsal and seeing the flames in their retro heritage classic unis for the first time being down there at ice level talking to different people like talking to brad tree living talking to uh mike burke talking to marty jelena and just like how cool it was i was like it, it, it literally i was i went in thinking like okay this will be a, a new experience i was i was beaming like it was it was so cool to be a part of that and such a privilege to be at ice level and watch that practice and and be right there when it was all happening that was my favorite part and and then to see it all translate into Saturday, that that made it uh, that much better. So that would be my uh, my coolest moment, the thing that I'll remember most. Uh, shout out to honorable mention to the second greatest thing about being in Regina, which was my Uber driver MD, who I had three times, not once, not twice, three <laughs> times, and I had him once. Incredible, amazing stuff. But uh, NHL '94 on Sega Genesis Where at was Rebellion that Brewing. Rebellion Brewery. And then they also, if, if you know, you're queued up for the Sega Genesis, like if you're playing King of the Court, I'm not leaving. But if you were someone waiting to play me, uh, there was vintage WWF King of the Ring with Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan on TV. Another wow. round of applause, please. How uh, amazing how, stuff. How, many, how long were you doing periods? Five-minute periods? Five-minute periods, offsides and line changes off, no penalties, and no Chicago unless you allow the other person an all-star team. Interesting. So Chicago was the best team They're in 94. Ronick's just essentially a god. I wonder why Ronick. He was phenomenal. Well, I know, but that was right in his peak. That was his better prime than year. Gretzky. Well, yes, just because the way you want to play the game, a lot of the skills matter more than others. So he could skate, he could shoot it, and he could just absolutely hammer anyone, and he was hard to knock off the puck. So he was just this wrecking ball <laughs> that you steer around the rink at full speed. Anyway, NHL, 90, NHL 94 analysis. Three, uh, three questions. Early 90s, three straight years for Ronick in the 100s, and yeah, 50 goals go. every year. And physical, which you want in that game, especially with penalties off. Let's do this. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so there you go. Regina head, was fantastic. Uh, of course, yeah. more on that. 
as Pinder and Steinberg will kick off in just minutes here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, Patty, I know we talked at nauseum, but uh, it is the biggest talking point, I think, from that Heritage Classic game from a Flames perspective. If you were to put a game number on it, how long would you like to see the Flames with this combination of centers, and how long of a sample size would you like to see right now from the Flames? So I would suggest that a month would be a good time. Like if and and if it doesn't work, give it a month and then switch back. So let's let's be talking about this in December. That's that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Let this have some time to ruminate because I think a month gives you a pretty good idea as to whether or not it can work. And again, I go back to this is less about Lindholm and more about Monahan for me. Can Monahan thrive on his own? as a center away from Lindholm, and more importantly, if they keep him away from Gaudreau, can Monaghan still be an effective play-driving, offensive, uh, offensively dangerous center without Gaudreau? So, yeah, I, I let's talk about this again in December. I don't know if it's going to last that long. I'm doubt, doubtful that Bill Peters like, yeah, Steinberg said let's wait till December, so let's do that. They've got their own plans, and but I, I would suggest a month is a, a good body of work to let this play out. Of course, the Heritage Classic was a big focus for a lot of people in this city, but we didn't talk about the other uh, sports story from the weekend as the Calgary Stampeders lose mm-hmm. to the Bombers in Winnipeg, 29-28. The Riders win, so the Stampeders are second. They need, a, they need a Saskatchewan loss to Edmonton this weekend to have any shot at the top spot in the West Division. Caleros played in that game. I know we had questions about that, so two-part question, Patty. Did the Caleros start in Winnipeg and what he was able to do. Change your opinion on them going into the playoffs. And from a Calgary perspective, is a lack of running game going to hurt them in November? Uh, Okay, number one, yes, it absolutely changed how I look at the Bombers. Caleros looked good, and he gives them more than Streveler can give him as a starter. And if you start Caleros in the West Division semifinal, either at home or on the road, depending on how things play out, then you have Streveler available as a change of pace guy. And they had a lot of success when Matt Nichols was healthy of using Nichols as the guy, as a kind of a game manager, um, and limiting mistakes, moving the ball well. And then if they needed to, they went change of pace. And it wasn't just for one play on short yardage. He'd come in on a, on a second and one, and then he'd play for another two or three snaps, and then they'd go back to Nichols. And now you can go back to doing that. That's where Streveler has been his most effective. But... He's not an effective pure passer, and I don't think you can win playoff games against Calgary or Saskatchewan or both in a situation where you don't have a proficient pure passer. Caleros is significantly better than that. He proved he can still get it done against an elite defense in a big spot. That showed me a lot. I would 100% start Caleros in the uh, West Division semifinal, no questions asked. And that, and I was not expecting that. I was wrong. I thought Caleros was going to struggle. I was wrong. He he showed me a lot. You got your picks right on CFL.ca, though. Uh, I got one wrong, I think. Oh boy! Uh, and the I second chose Montreal part of that, over Hamilton. Calgary's lack of running games concern you in November? Uh yes, yes, it does because I don't like. Even though Bo was lights out in that game, Bo was money. Bo was money, and he has been for the last month. Like Bo is as dialed in as I've ever seen him. But yeah, I do worry about that run game. Especially, I mean, if you go up against Winnipeg, there's no point running the ball anyway. But, yeah, I, I am a little concerned about it. Okay, bud. Three burning questions on a Monday. Hey, don't forget, we're still looking for teams for our Wild Rose Brewery Beer League broadcast later on in 2020. 
We need two teams to take part in the game, to be broadcast live on the air, to get drunk afterwards at the Wild Rose Tap Room, and to get some free jerseys, free, beautiful, personalized jerseys, thanks to Tuxedo Source for Sports. Go to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tell us why your beer league team should be on the radio in January. It's all brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, brewing quality craft beer in Calgary that fuels the hardworking Albertan. Wild Rose Brewery, branded with character. By the way, we'll be live on location at Wild Rose on Wednesday. Lindholm's at center, and we experienced Regina. Pinder and Steinberg kicks off in minutes. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAveVW.com.